Hey, we're going to talk about why people get divorced today because it's the ending times of the pandemic, it looks like. And the prediction is there's going to be more divorces in the next six months than there have been in the last two years. That's the prediction because the courts are reopening and people finally feel like they can get out from their forced intimacy and all the tensions that relationships have been experiencing are finally coming to the top. In order to talk about why people get divorced, we need to talk a little bit about why people get married. Many people in this country, I'm gonna qualify this, get married, why? Mm, two people meet and they fall in love, right? They're totally in love and in love is where they see each other's best qualities and all they do is love on the other person all the time. And when, when, you know, uh, when I'm in the presence of someone who's I'm in love with, I feel like a better person than I think I am because they see qualities in me that I haven't seen in myself and vice versa. I mean, it's like this amazing experience. And when you're in love, so much is forgiven. And what happens is love, being in love is, is a limited time offer for everyone, I'm sorry. So some people get divorced because they fall in love and two or three later, two or three years later, one or both people are, have fallen out of love and they're like, oh man, this stinks. Where is the in love part? Where's the love? What happened here? And so some people, you know, there are repeat marriers uh, who I think are pretty much they're addicted to being in love. Then there are probably a majority of the people who recognize that being in love is a short-term state of mind. And so what that means is they go get down to the business of being a team, being a partnership. And what they discover is that the person they're in love with has warts and other things going on, right? We all know that, right? We, we all figure out this person that we're in love with, oh my God, they fart and they burp and they wipe their butt just like me. And you know the glow diminishes and now you enter into a cohabitation partnership. And particularly when children come along, uh, our energies are really dispersed, right? Because those children demand a lot of attention. Like the statistic is, that a new employee takes 17% of your energy to train them for the first three months. Well, just imagine that you've got a new, every time you have a child, you've got a new employee, only you're training them not for three months. You're training them for, oh, 16, 17, 18 years, approximately. So it, it, you figure at least 17% of your energy, probably more, is, even if there's two of you, it's being invested in those, that child or those children. And so the couple figures out how to raise that child. And that often involves, I'm gonna to go to work, you're gonna to go to work, I'm gonna drop her off, you're gonna pick her up, I'm gonna make dinner, you're gonna clean up. It's a division of labor, a division of efforts. Or it might be, you're gonna work full time and work your tail off and I'm gonna stay home and hold all the pieces together and make everything work at home whatever the arrangement, right? It requires um, separation, right? That, that in love thing, which was always being together and the eternal honeymoon is now over and you're leading 
to some extent, separate lives. And a lot of people get divorced right around here because what happens is as they lead their separate lives, they forget why they got together in the first place. And they focus on getting their individual needs met at work or in the connections that they have in their day-to-day life in other, whatever, in areas, other areas. And they, they commit what's called um, emotional, emotional, uh, they're like cheating emotionally. I've forgotten the word, right? Oh, I've seen your moment. It's, uh, you know, when they're basically cheating on their husband or wife emotionally by having a very intimate friendship with someone. It, it, it might not actually be physical. There might not actually be uh, sex involved, but they're emo- so emotionally invested in the relationship, they're no longer present for their partner. And so they start to withdraw emotionally from the partnership. And so sometimes marriages just fall apart because of people so much getting their needs met outside of the relationship, the relationship itself isn't being invested in, right? Another reason why people get divorced. Now, sometimes those people hang together and kill the kids graduate from school. And that's why we have such a high level of gray divorce right now. All right, now let's get into some of the darker reasons why people get divorced. Some of the darker reasons, and there's been a lot more of this during the pandemic, is verbal abuse and even emotional abuse and possibly physical abuse. They're all related. So verbal abuse might be uh, an instance where one person says to the other something like, if only people were thinking more and the other person thinks that they're talking about them and they go, what are you talking about? I, I, I think all the time. And then the first person says, oh yeah, well, Da 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 da, and it's all your fault, and blah 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 blah. And then by the time the whole thing's over, um, the person who was defending themselves is destroyed, and the other person is has unloaded their anxiety through emotional verbal abuse on this person. Now, emotional abuse actually could be even more extreme. It might be where there's like an emotional violence in what they're doing, and where it feels like there's there might be a possible possible physical threat where they say. Yeah, well, la, 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 really super loud and aggressive. Maybe they throw things not at the person. That's emotional abuse bordering on physical abuse. And we all know what physical abuse is. That's when we're actually putting hands on the other person and scaring them physically. These are three reasons. There might be very good reasons to get divorced. Uh, it's because these things are going on. Because if you are the victim in these situations, you have no control over the other person and no, there's no opening to talk to them. Though I have had clients come to me who were accused of being abusers and in working together discovered that they were in fact emotionally and verbally abusive and were willing to do the work. So there are people, usually these are people who are, uh, maybe they're in recovery from alcoholism and they've just, they've got some ways of speaking to people that are very unconscious they're triggered easily and they're looking to have right relations with the people that they love. They really love and care for these people, but what's coming out of their mouth doesn't reflect it. So there, there is sometimes hope, but, but often not. And in the world of physical abuse, um, that's very often those, those are very good reasons to walk out the door. 
Then that we have sort of the narcissist and the narcissist could also be verbally abusive. They could also be emotionally abusive. They could also be angry, uh, like physically abusive, but um, a narcissist is gonna be thinking only of themselves. And these are the people who really have mastered the world of gaslighting where they're trying to convince their partner that their partner's beliefs are completely insane and uh, they're, they're, they're gonna use any manipulation at their disposal to try and convince you that you are out of your mind and you should believe as they believe. And that's also, of course, a form of emotional abuse, but it's a little more subtle and a little more devious. Uh, and these are, this is another very good reason to divorce because these people are unlikely to change and unlikely to shift. So my advice to you would be, if you're thinking about getting divorced, just look at this frame that I've just talked about. Where are you on that scale? Right on the very low end, we've got, I want to be in love and that's not happening. Then the next, on the next level, we've got, we've lost interest in each other for whatever reason. And then the next thing is there's some kind of emotional, uh, verbal, actually verbal abuse going on. And as I pointed out, the verbal abuse, you could have situations where you're mutually verbally abusive. It might be that you've got a dynamic going on. And let me return to that. Then let me just finish the scale. Then you've got emotional, intense emotional abuse that almost feels physical. And then you've got physical violence and physical abuse, you know, anywhere on, and then you've got narcissism, which could cover a lot of those things. You know, where are, where's your relationship on that scale? Are you experiencing any of these, any of these things? Now here's something that might be mistaken for one of these things, but is not necessarily one of them. And that's, I was talking about in the middle here is the, there's a dynamic that every married couple has, an argument that every married couple has. And you know what I'm talking about here if you're in a marriage. It's the argument that you have about who's gonna empty the dishwasher or who left the cap off the toothpaste or you feel criticized and you guys get into it and it never, and it never ends. Like there's no winning. It, it, the punchline is always one person's no matter what saying, yeah, well, you're just bad. And the other, maybe the other person is saying, no matter what I say, you say I'm bad, but the tone is always angry. Or it might be that two people are just so committed to being right and they're busy making each other wrong. There's no compromise. There's no acknowledgement of, of, any, of any responsibility. The conversation is totally loaded with blame. That's the best way to characterize it that each party is blaming the other. Every marriage has this dynamic. And it is not necessarily a precursor to physical violence, but many people, when they have this dynamic and they get stuck in that dynamic and that argument, they are sure that the marriage, something wrong with the marriage. And what I wanna tell you is that it is inevitable in every relationship that this comes up and how it is resolved is going to decide whether the relationship is going to work or whether you should get divorced or whether the relationship is going to go on sort of dysfunctionally. So let's talk about this dynamic briefly. So let's say that you're a couple in the pandemic and you've been having that fight. And in the pandemic, it is really easy for that to happen because we've all been in this 
sense of forced intimacy. We've all been having, we've been incarcerated together. Uh, and that's starting to open up now. And now that it's starting to open up, uh, if you've been having that dynamic on a, a two or three times a week or on a daily basis, or maybe you've been avoiding that dynamic by avoiding each other, if that's been going on, you may see the opening up of our lives as the pandemic seems to be unfolding as the opportunity to finally get this dynamic out of your life by, by getting rid of the other person. And I guess what I'm here to say is you really wanna think about, first of all, what's your part in the dynamic? Are you someone who's, who's critical? Are you someone who's angry? Are you feeling a lot of blame plus victimization? And then the next thing you wanna think about is does this dynamic fit into any of the other boxes that we talked about? Well, for sure, the dynamic, which is blame oriented, is loaded with criticism of the other person and can be verbally abusive. And the dynamic can lead to saying things that are really painful that you totally regret, that both parties totally regret if push comes to shove. Like I get a lot of clients in couples who are just feeling so much guilt and shame over this, having this argument, and they want so much to move forward, but they just can't get past it for some reason. So for sure, it can feel, it is emotionally abusive. When two, these two people are having this dynamic, this argument, this perpetual argument, weekly, daily, whatever it is, or they're avoiding it by not seeing each other, it feels there's shame around it, there's guilt around it, there's anger around it, there's, it feels, it's abused on both sides, abused and abusive on both sides. The question really is, is that what's going on or are you having the experience of being totally emotionally pummeled by the other person? Or is the other person just totally unable to see your perspective no matter what? You know, and these are the kinds of questions you need to ask yourselves. And it might be that you need to get with a professional to explore it, or it might be that you need to talk to your friends. So I'd be careful with that because friends tend to have a skewed perspective. Uh, but whatever it is, it's definitely worth exploring before you decide you want to jump into pulling the trigger on divorce. And the reason why I say that is, is particularly if you have children, the repercussions of that divorce are forever. And if it's simply that you've just been having an increased occurrence of the dynamic because of the pandemic, it's gonna come up in your next relationship. Like I promise you, it's gonna come up in your next relationship. It's inevitable, it's the human condition. So really you wanna ask yourself, is this one-sided? It may feel one-sided, but is it really one-sided? What's my part? Uh, do I have any hope that the other person can change? Have they expressed even a willingness to change? You might wanna ask them, you, know, you might say to them, you know what, we've been having this argument for a long time now. Are you willing to change? I'm willing to change, are you? Uh, you might say to them, you, there might still be love present. You know, it, it, it might, or there, it may not feel like there's love present, but it might still be present, you don't know. But it might be worth exploring first before you pull the trigger. Now, if you are gonna pull the trigger and get divorced, here are some next steps for you. And I want you to be really clear. I, I'm, what I stand for is increased communication, particularly when there are children involved. 
and creating understanding and communication in a relationship, whatever that relationship is going to be. And so if you're finding that you're just in an untenable relationship, that this not only is this dynamic present, but there's so many other destructive elements present that you just can't live together anymore and you have children, I'm encouraging you to figure out how can you have a relationship that's going to work for the children. And what you need to know about divorce is very often divorce professionals, they're used to people being angry and being conflict-ridden and they're, they're not always, I'm talking particularly about attorneys right now, well-trained on how to help people work through the root causes of that anger and frustration. But if you want to have a relationship that's gonna work for your children's sake, living in separate domiciles and having new partners in your life, then inevitably working through that frustration and anger and hurt is gotta be part of the process for your children's sake. So I'm gonna frame it for you like this. Your children, who they think of themselves as being is a composite of you and your partner. And so the interactions that you've been having are gonna be part of them forever, but the kinds of interactions you're going to be having is gonna be part of them forever. And so think about what's the, what are the, as role models, what do you wanna teach your children? Do you wanna teach your children to live a life filled with hurt, blame and anger on and on and on? And I've seen people get divorced and hold on to that hurt, blame and anger for 20 years afterwards. Or do you wanna teach them that you can mourn what was good and let go of the blame and anger and move on to a brighter future. And I know what you wanna teach them, right? Because given those two choices, who wouldn't pick? Yeah, of course, I wanna mourn. I wanna let go. I wanna move on. I want them to learn how to do that because that's part of having a resilient, happy lifestyle. Like who, who wouldn't want that? That's like a dog question. So how do you do that? you got to be willing to work at it. And so if you're really going to be moving into the, this divorce, you need to think very carefully about what's missing in this relationship. What would I like in the next relationship? How do I let go of the pain and the anger of this relationship? How do I keep my eyes on the prize of that future relationship? And how do I do this in a way that's going to take the least amount of time, which is going to be maybe, if you're lucky, a year. It might be a little less if you're lucky. Um, if you stay in the dynamic, though, if you don't go down this road, if you stay with the anger and the blame, it could be two years. And how do I ensure that my children come out of this whole and complete? And, and how am I going to build bridges with this person who is a narcissist, maybe, or maybe they're physically violent, or maybe they're emotionally violent? And why would I want to build bridges with them? And you want to build bridges with them because your children need to know where they come from. Even if one, if one of their parents is really damaged, and, and hurtful, they need to know where they come from. And then the question becomes, if I'm divorcing someone who's really toxic and I want my children to have some knowledge of that person, how do I make it safe for my children to have a relationship with that person once we're divorced? Because the law is gonna make sure that that person is part of their lives, unless they're incarcerated or um, there are some extreme charges against them that the judge can rule that it's unsafe for the children to be around them. Okay, well, that took up a lot of time. So I hope that you 
are thinking about what's really going on in your relationship and how will you be transforming it? And then the last thing I want to say is that I started out my work as a divorce coach, working with people who got divorced. And one day I had this aha moment, which is that the tools that people needed to be good co-parents post-divorce were the same tools that they could have used to be good parents together. And the difference was that in a marriage, two people have something, what they have at the heart of their marriage is a shared, compelling future that they both have faith and confidence in. I'm being very general. And outside of that, around that are gonna be values. And out of the values, are gonna, it's gonna drive a certain lifestyle. But when that shared compelling future crumbles because of destructive emotions, as we've been talking about, what works for co-parents who are divorced is to have a shared compelling future for their children. So as adults, the, two, the divorcing parties, the two parents see separate lives and directions for themselves, but they share in a vision for their children. That's what makes it work. So at the heart of both relationships is some common ground where both people are willing to sacrifice. Either they're willing to sacrifice for the shared compelling future they have as a couple, then they build their family around that, or as two separate parents, they're both willing to sacrifice for the shared compelling future that they have for their children. But they're both willing to sacrifice and give up for the, for the children or for the future. Now, here's the last possibility. The last possibility is that the other parent is so damaged that you won't be able to co-parent with them. You won't be able to have that shared future. And then your only option is gonna be what's called parallel parenting, where you're doing the best that you can for your children so that they know how to deal with that person, people like that person, and have happy and fulfilling lives. If you wanna know more about this, feel free to reach out to me at bit.ly forward slash end the fight, one word, E-N-D-T-H-E-F-I-G-H-T, all lowercase, bit.ly forward slash end the fight.